so you were just under 18 and you went back up to Idaho. And so, and this must have been about the time, it sounds like about the time that Warren started changing everything and kicking people out and just all of the changes started taking place. So did you end up going and staying up in, in Idaho at that point or did you come back down? Yeah, I had to because this cop kept saying to me that I have to be with one of my parents legally. And, uh, and since it was my mom that was there, then I guess living with my dad wasn't an, wasn't an option. I mean, he did say that it was, but when I was like, okay, well then that's what I choose. Then it was like, no, I came here today to make sure you go with your mom. <laughs> oh, wow. So, <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I guess first question then is, how did you feel at that moment to have to leave and go up to Idaho? Was it something that was really difficult for you or were you okay leaving the, the Short Creek area? No, I was physically sick. Most not just not because of the area. I mean, my friends were there, right? Like I said, that's what was important to me was the, mm -hmm. the friendship and the, you know, camaraderie, I guess you could say. So no, I definitely did not want to be in Idaho. But I will say that, you know, my, my stepdad was trying to win me over. So he's like, he was offering me things that I wouldn't get to have if I was mm. still in Short Creek. And so I think that really was like the catalyst to me ultimately leaving again was it was just having access to the outside world again. Mm. Yeah, That's a powerful, it's a powerful tool to have access to the outside world. We hear it time and time again, the moment that I had the internet, the moment that yeah. I could talk to people on the, in the outside world, the moment that I had access to these things, was the moment I found out that it wasn't true and, or that I didn't feel the same way towards it. Is that, is that yep. kind of what you're saying here? Definitely. And, and uh, that's ultimately why my mom did leave my stepdad because she didn't want us to have media. Mm. So, and that's why, she, yeah, she went back. Wow. Not so, my stepdad. Sorry, my dad. She left my dad because he had a TV. Oh okay. oh, okay. I was just going to say, I'm like, wait a minute. Did she leave again? Like back to, <laughs> she did leave twice. She left because she got kicked out with my stepdad sort of, and then she left my stepdad, but then went back to him. So I guess she left three times. I don't know. <laughs> it's all. So when you turn, so when you turned 18, you'd been stuck in Idaho legally because you weren't allowed to not live outside of a parent's home at 18. Did you go back to short Creek? I did. Cause my friends were there. And they so, like made a song for me and like they made a big deal about when I get to come back. So I really felt like I had to. And I, I, I wasn't too bummed about it. But yeah, after like a year had passed and that's when I ultimately left. Back. That's when you ultimately left Idaho or? Short Creek. Just like all of it. Okay. Left the FLDS, LDS behind. FLDS. So you moved down to, you moved from Idaho back to Short Creek. And then you say about a year later is when you left the church. Yeah. Okay. During that year, did you have any, anyone reach out to you? Let's say Warren or someone working for Warren to try to get you back involved or possibly married? No. And so once again, I, I felt like it was a, a result of, I had to be overly apologetic and overly whatever, just to even be worthy. Mm. I see. Yeah. Well, looking back now, you're probably grateful for all of that, <laughs> that you oh, weren't yeah. stuck in it or involved in any of that. Yeah. It continued on and just got worse at that point. Yeah. 
because by what the time I, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, because the time I, by the time I had come back to Short Creek, my uncle had then been kicked out. I had to move in with another uncle and he would, he would constantly tell me that like you, you're, you remind me of your dad right now. Your dad's really proud and you're exhibiting like pride. And so if you want to stay here, then you have to X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. And I think it was just, that's really what I got tired of was my uncle saying mm. stuff like that. Yeah. Wow. So what was the final straw for you that made you decide that it was worth leaving? And what did that look like? Did you have other friends who had left? Did you move with family? Well, I actually was accessing the internet a lot too, because <laughs> I had my family on there, uh, MySpace, if you guys remember. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was on MySpace a lot. I would get in trouble for it a lot. And, uh, because I was, you know, seeing my family on there and, and missing them and stuff like that, I was, I was thinking maybe I should leave. And of course, I there was I had my reservations about it because I didn't want to leave my my full sister that was there, her um, her baby that she just had. You know, like they were important to me, and so I didn't want to leave them. So I was already thinking of leaving, and but then I got in this like fight with my uncle, kind of the one that I lived with. I didn't fight with him. I didn't fight back because I didn't have the, you know, bravado, I guess, to do that. But, you know, it was, it, that was kind of the straw, I guess, was I had just had enough talks with him where he was like, you know, you're being too much like your father right now. And so he's like, so if you want to be here, you got to. And I, I finally just said, you know what? I don't, I don't want to be here. So I was like, just let me put in a two week notice at work and I'll be out of here. I'll be out of your hair. And then what happened was, like we had agreed on it, but then he changed his mind. And so he was like, no, I want you out tonight. <laughs> so it looks like I was kicked out, but I actually chose to leave. Oh, like wow. it's, just, it's kind of muddy. Yeah. But so when um, you saw it, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, I, um, my sister from over the hill came and helped me because <laughs> I don't know what leave. else to do. Like pack up my stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. So two questions. Well, I guess really only one question and one comment. <laughs> the comment is, it sounds like your uncle saw that you were about to leave and he just said, well, in that case, I'm going to make it seem like it's my idea. So you're out of here, right? Is that, is that what happened? Yeah, basically. And, and definitely I felt not wanted. That's the thing. I felt like he didn't want mm -hmm. me there. So yeah. why would I put myself through more of that pain? <laughs> mm -hmm. My question <laughs> was, you mentioned that you had to put your two weeks notice in. Were you working in the community there somewhere in Short Creek? Yeah, I was at that grocery store, CMC. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you were working at the grocery store. Gotcha. Yeah. It's just now there's just not many, or at least when I was younger, there wasn't many jobs in the community, you know? So a lot of people would work outside of the community. I wasn't sure if that was allowed for you or not. Yeah, no. But I mean, that was part of the reason that made me choose to go back because I didn't really like to be at my dad's house either. And I had just turned 16. So it's like, I'm old enough to work now. And so because they offered me a job, that's one of the reasons I chose to go back there. So I see. Yeah. So your dad had been in Centennial Hills and then you said he also left that community. At that point, I know you weren't living with him. What was that like for like the rest of your family or did you feel any disconnect from that community? Did it feel like you kind of lost like both communities or? It's such a good question because I know that when my mom left him, then the other moms did too. It was all around the same time. 
And so I don't know if that's because he left the community or not. I just thought that was my mom's reason was because he wasn't FLDS anymore, but it might've been their reasons too. It's like, he just didn't have what they thought he should have, which was this like respect, I guess, for the the priesthood there. Like he had just kind of gotten more interested in his, um, you know, his passion projects. He's an artist. Like he, he put on the community plays and stuff. By community, I mean Centennial, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah, the Centennial side of things is just so foreign for me. You know, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's not, it's, you say put on plays. I didn't even know that they celebrated anything over there. <laughs> in in yeah. my mind, it was all dark and gloomy. No one had any fun. <laughs> Why would anyone want to live over the hill? But of course, that's, those were things I was told to keep mm-hmm. us away from going right. over there. So right. it's good to hear that, that there was fun things going on over there. Yeah. And in fact, I think that's one reason why kids that are from Centennial and they just move on with their lives because they don't have a ton of complaints about their childhood because it's not the same as FLDS. I mean, like, in other words, like you get to have a, a childhood where you can go mud stomping or whatever. Like it's like, you know, like that country childhood, like they don't like there were happy things for them. Yeah. What were some of the other biggest differences between the Centennial Park group and the FLDS that you saw since you kind of, you did have that experience on both sides? I know a lot of our viewers haven't heard much about Centennial Park in general, let alone some of the similarities and differences. Well, definitely the, you know, the wardrobe, like there are people in Centennial Park that you wouldn't be able to tell apart from on the street, you know? Or maybe you could tell they're Mormon, right? <laughs> like they're, yeah. they're LDS, yeah. but like, but like, it's definitely not like the prairie thing. And I mentioned the hair thing too, because when my mom first married my stepdad and her sisters came back into her life, they came over to our house in Hilldale to, and one of them combed my hair. And so then all the friends at school were like, whoa, who did your hair? You know, like now I'm being accepted because of my stupid hair. And I was like, oh, my aunt did it. And they were like, they were like, which aunt? And I was like, I don't know. And it was like, they were like, oh, of course you wouldn't because you just got your new father, you know, because now I have, <laughs> I have status now that I have a father, not a dad, you know. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> uh, but I was like, no, it's my mom's sister. I just never knew her because she was absent because of the whole split. So that was the main thing I noticed was just, A, the wardrobe, but also just they they're, they're, my mom's family is accepting of her again. Was I've heard... Um, from other people before that Centennial, they kind of claim that they're not really a church, like not an organized religion, but that they're just meant to live the law of polygamy. Is that what you were taught? I mean, I haven't heard it in so many words, but I can see that. I think my biggest understanding is that their disagreement is that not just one person leads them. Whereas Mm -hmm. with the Jeff's clan, one person leads, but for them, it's, it's an apostleship. It's still organized. They're actually trying to do their own united order their own version of it interesting yeah <laughs> like yeah. oops uh, yeah i don't know if you knew that but yeah we had actually just yeah. recently heard about that that um mm-hmm. the united or that they have to pay extra tithing that they have yeah. to pay five percent more tithing um but that it's quite the brotherhood of successful yeah. businessmen yeah yeah so interesting so they don't they don't really have a profit then it's more of a, a brotherhood a, a group of men, apostleship that make the decisions. Yep. And my dad they, was never part of that. So that's why he yeah. ultimately left. And that's, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. 
No, you're good. Um, did they still assign marriages? Even though there wasn't one man to choose, did they do that as a unit? I understand that they do that, but but there's also agency. So it's they'll assign something if you don't already have somebody, but you want to get married. But if you've already been oh. like, yeah, if you already have someone in mind or you've even dated them. So dating was allowed. Yeah. I mean, by the time I was old enough to date, like I dated someone from Centennial Park. I regret it, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's very different. I guess that's similar to the, the way the FLDS church was before I was born, where mm -hmm. you could actually start dating or you could find someone you like and go ask the prophet or the leader if, the, if you could get married. And sometimes they would say, yeah, that's, that sounds good. So mm -hmm. it sounds like it was very similar to the way it was before the Jeffs took over. Exactly. Yeah, because like my mom, she chose my dad. Like she wasn't in an arranged marriage with him. <laughs> it was mm -hmm. weird that she did, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so like their generation did. And then, yeah, my oldest siblings, I think all of their spouses are people they chose. Wow. wow. That's so nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, did you feel that because the church that you attended was in Centennial Park, did you feel that they taught good principles? Like, a, was it a, did it seem like, a good church to be, or I guess it wasn't a church, but a good group of people to be a part of. I mean, I just remember hating church. <laughs> like I said, I remember <laughs> I, I liked the lifestyle, I guess, but you know, like I said, the, the wardrobe's so different to me, it's kind of Victorian, like, mm. and then, and then they'd have big dinners and brunch on Sundays. And like, I loved, I liked that lifestyle around church. So like after church, we'd have our big dinner. So the whole time I'm sitting in church, I'm thinking about our dinner. So like, I don't, you know, like, I don't, I don't remember really listening to people, even if they were yelling, because if they were, then I just felt scared. So right. yeah, there's, I don't remember really buying any of the beliefs other than this is normal. Right. Go along with it. Yeah. <laughs> Did they teach, you know, hellfire and damnation, that kind of stuff? Was that common? Yeah. That's more or less what they'd scream. You're all going to oh. hell. <laughs> yeah. Does that sound familiar, baby? <laughs> no, actually. So th this is that's the reason I ask is because mm -hmm. the FLDS, which and this is par partially the reason that so many people fall into the trap is they're so sweet about everything. You know, it's like the way they talk is you just need to do this. You know, this is what God wants you to do. But, you know, but then the things that they're teaching you, I was in a constant state of fear because of the things that, that I was told that if I didn't do this, 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 and this, that I would not get my eternal family, that I would be on Satan's ground, that I would be controlled by Satan, those different things. But they would say it in such a sweet way to try to make it seem like it was all good. You know, this is what God wants. So it was just a different way of going about it, I guess. Yeah. And I do know what you're talking about because <laughs> I experienced both, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a very unique I mean, I can talk to someone that recently left the FLDS or talk to someone maybe that's still a part of it. And it's just an automatic, you can tell that they believe in Warren Jeffs or they are fresh leaving Warren Jeffs beliefs because of the way they talk. Yeah, totally. So, like there's a, there's a vocabulary with it. Yeah. Well, going back, sorry that I went off on the Centennial Group <laughs> tangent, but I just said, like I okay. said, I have so many, I'm so curious about that aspect. But Going back to you're in the FLDS, 18 years old, decide, or a little bit after that, right? And you decide that you're going to leave. Um, your uncle 
makes it look like he's kicking you out, but you decide that you want to leave and you go to the other side of the hill. Was that to people who are religious? Were you out of the religious aspect completely? Um, who did you move in with and what did that look like? No, they were religious. I, um, I stayed with my sister, not for very long though. It was probably not even a week, maybe not even half a week. But uh, what I remember happening was, you know, my dad came to get me or I stayed like a week with him for, or however long it was. Um, I had another half sister who was like, here, let me give you my clothes. But she's, I'm like a lot taller than her. So like she gets, so I was wearing one of her t-shirts that was just too short for me or something. Or I just, I don't know. I was wearing hand-me-downs yet again. And, but it wasn't hand-me-down. It was more like a hand-me-up because I was bigger. Um, and I remember my brother-in-law like fighting with my sister about how I'm such a bad example for them now because, you know, cause I'm like showing skin or whatever, which was an accident. So yeah, it was weird, but man, the whole showing skin, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just something that we were so afraid of, you know, even if it was just your forearm or something, it's crazy mm-hmm. that that was such a big deal. Totally. And even when I made my own clothes in the FLDS, like, I guess I, I don't know, maybe I thought I was smaller than I was cause I'm tall. So it creates that illusion of being slimmer. So I'd make my clothes, I guess, tight, which I wasn't trying to do, but they were tight and I'd still get flack for that. Mm-hmm. It's form fitting. We don't want to see your shape, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we we can't tamp those boys, right? Exactly. That's, a, that's a, a big deal. I have to ask, speaking of clothing and all of that, were you taught a lot about, you know, the importance of not looking at boys or that you weren't allowed to have relationship with boys? Because I assume it was a little bit different over the hill in Centennial Park, but you also had a lot of connections with people and your own mom that lived in Hilldale. What, what was that kind of teaching about? Yeah, I definitely remember my mom saying that a lot. Like I liked to go on the walks and like wave at boys, you know, when I was getting to be that age. And, um, Mm -hmm. and uh, my mom would use like this analogy of like how they're wolves or something. And we don't, I don't want to be casting my lamb to the wolves something along those lines, you know? So, I mean, there was definitely stuff like that to not yeah. like go seeking out the boys. <laughs> you don't want to be walking past Sam's house and he was a younger boy. <laughs> uh, I, I was a little rebel, you know, I probably would have whistled or something, you know, yeah. even well, though. That, even, yeah. That was a cultural thing. It seemed like, uh-huh. so yeah. Yeah. I cut you off. Sorry. It's, no, you're fine. It's funny. I mean, we, we would sit out by our fence around our house and just wait for girls to drive by or wait for girls to ride their bikes by or walk mm-hmm. by. And, you know, I mean, we had nothing else to do. We couldn't watch a movie or do anything. We just sat out there and, well, I guess this is what we're doing. Let's see if we can wait for a girl to come by. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So, oh, man. Were you allowed to have any other types of entertainment within your families aside from just, I don't know, the work inside the home or going outside and running around the yard or something. Yeah. Music, you know, I definitely had that. Um, but I, yeah, I remember if I didn't have anything to do, I'd work on music a lot, but I would still go on a walk every day to see if there's any boys out cruising. 
<laughs> cruising. Man, I haven't heard that in a minute, but that is what we would call it. <laughs> We're going to go cruising. Yep. So, so you say you worked on music. Tell us a little bit more about what that looked like. Well, I had like my brothers that weren't part of the FLDS yet, but my mom wasn't ready to like let them go. They're teenagers, you know, they're still under 18 as well. So they'd come over and they'd play their, their music that they gotten from a movie or video games, you know, mm-hmm. and I liked the sound of it. And so I was like, Hey, give me that sheet music, you know? So I would, I would play songs like that. On the piano or? Yeah. Yes. On the okay. piano. Sorry. Yeah. No, no worries. I was just curious what, what type of uh, instrument you played and that, because uh, you know, this, what, what we were told was Gentile music was any kind of music that wasn't made by the church. And we weren't allowed to listen to it if it wasn't made by the church. So yeah, I'm glad totally. to hear that you at least had a little bit of other options to, to work on. Yeah. I mean, I was told that too, but, but it's, if it's just the piano, it's kind of masked, you know, you, mm-hmm. it's not the same as what you'd hear on the radio. Right. So you don't know, like, you know, I'd play the song from Titanic and I'd get away with it because for a little while at least, but then my mom would be like, oh, that's a Titanic song. And she'd freak out, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Well, you're right, though. If it's just instrumental, I can imagine it wasn't this big of a deal. Well, that's very cool. Uh, do you still play the piano out of curiosity? Side yeah, note I here. do. I totally do. Yeah. Mostly for while awesome. I sing, but yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. In fact, it, and it's because of my, my siblings' influence because they're on the outside, right? And so they, they could bring media in. So you know that like Vanessa Carlton song? The, you know, I'd walk a thousand miles if I, oh, you know, yes. she's playing her piano. So like they liked that because there's piano in it. And so of course I did. And that's what actually started me listening to the radio. Like I'd be sneaky and rebel and, you know, go find a corner with a stereo somewhere and like turn the radio on listening for that song. Um, and so that's kind of how it all, it all started with the other artists I'd find and all of that stuff. That's super cool. Yeah. yeah. What do you think the hardest transition or the biggest culture shock when you decided to leave the FLDS? What did that look like? And what was the hardest like adjustment for you? So I came straight to LA. Well, I was there for like a month, just in Southern Utah, bouncing between my sister's house, my dad's house, wherever. Um, I finally, I had a, a, a relative here in LA who invited me to come live with them. And so I took that opportunity and ran with it. I knew it would be foreign and different. I don't remember feeling shock, but maybe I was just like in denial. I don't know. But we went to, <laughs> we went to Venice Beach. I don't know if you've been <laughs> there. But oh, basically, yes. <laughs> very naked bodies. So that's <laughs> the polar opposite. But what I remember thinking was like, how'd they get so tan? You know, I'm like curious about it. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, they're wicked and evil. You know, it was kind of more of, oh, I want to look more like that. You know, mm-hmm. so. So it wasn't necessarily shocking, but definitely very different. Yeah. Venice Beach. I remember my parents taking us at a young age and like them being like hesitant to take us. And then we saw somebody getting like a tattoo and I remember it being like bloody and my parents were like, see all that blood. (laughs) Like things like that. Like it was so funny. Like it was almost like a, not a scare tactic on purpose, but kind of a like introduce you to the opposite side of the world. Cause I grew up in Utah and LDS and it was yeah. like a little bit of like, here's what the other side looks like. <laughs> like uh-huh. take a quick view and Venice beach is about as opposite as you can get from anywhere in Utah. Really. True. 
That is very true. So, did you, I mean, for me, when I left, and the first time I put a t-shirt wasn't too bad. Like t-shirt, it was like, okay, this is a little bit strange. But when I put on a pair of shorts, I, I thought, I, I felt like I was naked. I didn't dare go into public at first. It took me a while. Well, you know, I probably did a service for those in public because my legs were so white. They had never seen the sun until I had left. So what was your experience with that transition? I guess your clothes transition wasn't as big of a deal as mine, maybe, but was it still a pretty big deal for you? Um, I mean, I felt like I had been through it a few times already because <laughs> I had left mm. several times already. So I felt like I could deal with it pretty well. Um, I mean, and like I said, I was kind of born in it. I was kind of born outside of the FLDS. I, I don't remember really wearing T-shirts myself, but my like my siblings did and like they wouldn't even have shorts on underneath. It's just like a baggy t-shirt, you know, like that was normal in my house. That's why the Williams house is, you know, the wicked one. Right. But I never, I never participated in that myself just because my mom wouldn't let me, but to me it was normal. So, mm. so I had already, I felt like I'd already been there and seen that, but yeah, to be honest, like, you know how some people say like, there's like modesty can empower people, but also a bikini can empower people. I don't know if you've ever heard that. But for me, I actually just because I'm introverted and kind of reserved, like I actually do like to be covered. I just don't like skirts, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so. uh, that makes sense. There's a there's a point where it becomes too much. Even mm -hmm. you can be modest, but, you know, mm -hmm. you, there's a point where it's like, OK, that's a little much. And I felt like that's how it was for me a lot of the time where I was. Mm -hmm working in 110 degree weather outside and fully, fully clothed as if I was ready to go to church. So yeah. that's just the, the way that it was. But I feel like it depends on the intention behind it, right. why you're covering. If you're covering because that's what makes you feel comfortable, then that's what you yes. should do. 100%, totally. right? And yeah. I like what you said about the fact that like that can be empowering, dressing the way that makes you feel comfortable and the way that mm -hmm. makes you feel empowered. And that can be either end of the spectrum. It's the whether mm -hmm. or not someone's guilting or shaming you one way or the other about that clothing that to me is the problem. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's a great way to put it. Good job. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Totally. So you left, you bounced around to different homes and then did, where did you finally settle? What, LA. You, yeah. So, you ended up, so then you moved to LA and what was, and what was, that's right. I'm sorry. Then you moved to LA and what, what happened? What was that like for you living in LA? Well, I mean, it's hard to like summarize because now it's been 15 years and I've lived so different, so many different areas in LA. It's been hard. I can tell you that, <laughs> um, uh, you know, cause it's not cheap. And so coming from where I come from being the, not the, not the family of the status, you know, poverty stricken, basically, you know, like it's, it's been an adjustment for sure. Like I did go back for like a summer to babysit for my sister. Okay. And, um, and that's just cause I had nowhere to live here at the time. But then I ended up getting a gig working at Comic-Con for as a oh, cosplay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. As a cosplay wow. for, um, for uh, that show Vikings. Yeah. Oh, wow. which was, yeah. It was really cool. It was really fun, but I, I feel bad. Cause I feel like I've misled people. They think I was on the show. I wasn't, I was just promoting it <laughs> <laughs> at the conference, <laughs> the convention center. But, um, but that helped me be able to move back. And then like a couple years later, like I was, I, I found myself sleeping in my car, but 
you know, my dad was like, well, come home. And I just felt like, no, <laughs> there's nothing there for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so mm. yeah, I'm just sticking it out. Made it work. That's and, awesome. and you said now you get to be a musician full time. Is that what you're doing now? Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's mostly That's teaching, so awesome. you know, teaching piano. And like I said, I, at the church, I sing at. And now I teach a class. I actually teach two classes at the church. So, yeah, teaching a lot. But wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And do you do you still make music and uh, play the piano and do all of that? Mm hmm. Wow. Yeah. I'm Is also there... working on original stuff. Oh, really? Besides the teaching. Nice. Yeah. So singer, songwriter, mm -hmm. is there a way that we can maybe share a link with our viewers that want to check out your work? I mean, if it's just on YouTube, yeah, like my, my YouTube's just at Carly Music Studios. Perfect. We'll put yeah. a link in. Put a link in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can give you a link. <laughs> That'd be great. Fantastic. That'd awesome. Be awesome. Well, kind of the last question we always ask people, well, first of all, I think it's awesome that you have been able to find such like your own path and be willing to go through such hard times when you leave to be able to end up where you want to be, right? It's just amazing. Um, if somebody was watching this that still lived in the FLDS or was still, I don't know, maybe Centennial Park too, and was willing to listen, what is a message that you would want to share people still living there? It's such a good question because I feel like I do, especially with Centennial Park, I feel like I do share mostly just what was important to me, like love and acceptance, you unconditional love. You don't have to meet conditions to get love and be worthy of being loved. That's what I'd say to them. Yeah. I love that. I love that. <laughs> More people than you know need to hear that too. You know, it's, it's interesting. We talk to so many different people nowadays from so many different walks of life. And that's a great message for everyone. Well, thank you so much for being willing to share your story with us. We course, appreciate it so much. I love appreciate getting you. to learn more about Centennial Park and the other side of the hill. <laughs> <laughs> I know I might not be the ideal candidate for that one, but <laughs> I do know some things. Yeah. Well, so. you have a very unique situation and story where you had a bit from both, right? And that's, yeah. that's not very common. So It's true. Well, Carlene, thank <laughs> you so much for being here with us yes, today. We really do appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, you all for being here. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. All right, you too. Appreciate you too. Thanks. Bye. Thanks.